Beer and a Movie, the podcast where we combine two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies, sometimes achieving outstanding pairings while other times giving ourselves the opportunity to cleanse the criminal underworld from our mouths. I am your host, Carlos Cooper. Oh, sorry, Batman. I mean, oh, shit. Oh, fuck. <laughs> vengeance. Uh, Wait, vengeance. The Shadows. With me as always. Joe Hilliard, I'm still wearing my eye makeup. <laughs> and, and Dave Gurney. And I, I, I'm not, I'm not, not attempting the, the voice, voice right now. Well, uh, no. no. I probably should have just done it in a normal voice and then like lowered it later. I pitch-shifted it, yeah. I, 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 don't know. Stuff. It's I okay. thought it was still I, I think it's better if you perform it that way. That's how the actors are doing it. I, I, you know, I, spent, I spent all day uh, in a black cape and a mask really preparing for this performance. <laughs> you know, I was getting a <laughs> method with it. Yeah. Paid off. Well, so guess what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> right. We everybody knows, right? We 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 got to we got to get into that soon enough, but before we get into movie, which we will, uh we need to get into beer. Mm. We need to get beer into our glass. And I have brought here today, gentlemen, a uh, beer from a brewery that I know we've had. Uh other half, they are out of New York. They're uh much uh, sought City. after by many for for their IPAs, although some say they can be a bit green at times. We'll find out how green this one happens to be. They put the name, they put green right in the name, Green City here, folks. Uh, maybe tying into Gotham City, or at least a city that's ruled by a green villain of sorts. Debatably uh, green villain, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, a, a downshifted green, it's a, it's a darker-hued green yeah. than, than we've seen in the past uh, in, in our film today. But this is... From other half, this is a double dry hopped India Pale Ale. It's seven percent. Love it when it comes in at a nice, even, you know, right on the nose. Seven percent. Mm. Not seven point two. Not seven point three. Seven. We're gonna get it in our glasses. And is this gonna be the thing? It looks beautiful. I see it in Carlos's glass. I think maybe also the sun hitting it just the way it is. It's got a nice juicy look to it. And, and a fantastic aroma. I can't it wait. I said because uh, David, of course, does what he does, which is he brings his magic bag and pulls out like twenty-four beers for us to <laughs> choose from. I was like, I don't know why, but today, sunshine outside. We're gonna talk about the Batman. Uh, I want to get that green IPA in my glass. Right and on. it happened. It's here. We are here, uh, and we're talking about the Batman. Of course, we are. It's the big release. We've been talking about it for months. We're eager to see it. Uh, it is star. It, this time around, our Batman is played by, God, I want to say show favorite Robert Pattinson, whose work we've enjoyed in The Lighthouse and High Life and... Uh, good Times. We've yeah, certainly Sa- talked about Good Times. Yeah, we, 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 we like him, and here we go. We're going to start Batman over again. We're going to have a new director with a new type of vision, and this time Batman ventures into Gotham City's underworld when a sadistic killer leaves behind a trail of cryptic clues. Of course, I'm talking about Paul Dano playing the Riddler. And as the evidence begins to lead closer to home and closer to his own personal kind of revelations that he might that he is the Batman, uh-huh. um, also we, we meet Selina Kyle, played by Zoe Kravitz, who also has her own reasons for personal vengeance in this underworld element. Um, 
then the scale of the perpetrator's plans become clear, and he must forge these new relationships. The Batman, of course, with uh, John Gordon, not the commissioner James yet, Gordon. played by James Jeffrey Gordon. Wright. Jeffrey Wright, who we just saw in the French, in Dispatch, French Dispatch, just what a, a few months back. A, what a six months he is having. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely, I would yeah. say a year, but we're technically in a different calendar year, so good can't, point. Can't good do that, point, but yeah. uh, he's. Uh, We'll get there. Uh, And what we see then is uh, the Batman does, of course, have Alfred, the butler, uh, played by Andy Andy Serkis. Thank you. He has gadgets. Beautiful CGI performance, by the way. Uh, yeah. the okay, so he, so that's that's the Gollum guy, right? Yeah, uh-huh. it is. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, King yeah. Kong, and yeah, I mean, yeah, he's yeah. done. It, I think he's better known for his roles that he's done as motion capture acting. Yeah. But it's nice to see him actually in, in sure. his... Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. Guy can act. Uh, he he has the Batmobile. He has uh, the ability to. He to has a Bat motorcycle. Too. Glide. He's got yeah. his motorcycle. So the elements, kind of an ability to glide. The sugar glider elements. costume that doesn't seem to work quite as well as he wants. It. I I actually kind of loved that that sequence. But yeah. yeah, the elements of Batman are all there. The ones that we've known through all the incarnations and all the sequels. Uh, however, the tone in this film, the idea that he's not a jet setting playboy by day and Batman by night. I mean, there are a lot of changes to what we know as cinematic Batman here. Where do you even start? But before we start, I mean, I didn't mention Colin Farrell as Penguin. I didn't mention John Turturro as the big crime yeah. overlord. Well, so many great actors. And so. you're right. I think, you know, Matt Reeves must have sat down and listened to some Leonard Cohen. Uh, you want it darker, folks? You're getting it here. This is, uh, you know, this is an attempt to take Batman even further into the dark, gritty realm that we we saw already with sub you know previous mm-hmm. incarnations of Batman, which we'll talk more about in well, the second half of the episode, which I'm some sure. might say is true to the Batman comic book character, how it's as opposed to the time. Adam West kind of first iteration sure. that we got, you know, sure. goofy, campy, very very colorful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is the best Batman movie that, that has ever been made. You think this? Yeah, and you are a Nolan devotee. Sure, yeah. Wow, I'm surprised. I didn't think you were going to hate it or anything like that, but I never would have thought that you thought a new Batman could eclipse what I know to be one of your favorite series ever. Yeah, it's the best one. I agree. Um, pretty, pretty uh pretty I don't know if I'm ready to make that much of a declarative statement. It's, it's a great superhero film. It, it is definitely a great superhero film. It's a great detective noir film. Yeah, that's it. I was going to say, it's superhero film because a dude wears a suit and has cool gadgets in a cool car, but other than that, we're watching a cool guy in a cool car with cool gadgets solve a crime. Yeah. I mean, not capture a killer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, th- there's definitely no doubt. that That's in there. That's in there. It's still a superhero film. Sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. By default, it is. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. But what they, they can't do here, not be. Yeah. What they do here is they get us away from the Marvel idea. Even this recent Spider-Man, where the stakes are the entire world's salvation. It's this is just Batman in Gotham trying to solve the problems of this city. And I liked that microcosm that we got. It's a nice, refreshing change of pace from, you know, the Avengers having to save the world again and again and again and again. Yeah, yeah. decimating a town. And the Eternals. And so well, it's, I mean, this is, you say that, and I, I mean, I hear, where you're, I hear where you're coming from, but it is basically a city gets destroyed. And this, I mean, like, this, is a, this is a film that 
builds to a climactic city destruction, mm-hmm. yeah. which is a very spectacular sure. kind of... But you, I, They do ground it in a kind of realism that you rarely see. It's about seawalls breaking and this like... And so, I mean, obviously ha- ties into ideas of, you know, our contemporary moment and how we're concerned about sure. these low-lying cities on our coasts and how they're susceptible to this sort of thing. They don't know... I, they don't really overplay that point it's but not it's don't there. look up yeah right right it's not trying to be but uh-huh. it but it has a so it grounds it in this kind of realism that i think you don't get but ultimately the bottom line is you know this is another one of those superhero films that builds to the climactic city being destroyed and you know the world sure. potentially yeah, in yeah peril. but I, yeah but i think the i think the difference is is that the world is not in peril gotham is in peril that's number but one. Gotham is microcosm for the world okay. here. And there's also uh, no okay. magic. That's, there's no magic in this movie. I mean, it's a large metropolis being destroyed. Yeah, but it's there are many metropoli <laughs> in the world. I mean, it, the, the, okay, so... Carlos, anytime you kill off millions of people, it's going to get attention. My point is that what happens to Gotham doesn't have a ripple effect everywhere else. Like, it's like... It's well, but attacking it's that specific in, city. But it's tied into the sort of, uh, you know, grassroots terrorism that's going on that sure. actually creates that. Sure. You know. But the Riddler does not have plans to attack anywhere else. Not the Riddler, but his acolytes. I mean, he's obviously built, cultivated this following online. There weren't 500 people in the rafters there, but we know there's this audience that he's building and it's gone into this viral. I, I have a feeling if we see more of these films, that cascading effect in that it's have I think that's going to be part of it potentially but we're not talking about future films we're talking about this film and in this film the Riddler has plans for Gotham right right to expose specifically how corrupt it is from the top on down sure in Gotham that there is a a criminal under element in Gotham certainly but hey citizens did you realize that the people that always tell you that they're here to help and the law enforcement agencies that are here to enforce the law they are all in the pocket of the main criminal uh, underground that they're trying to defeat sure so much so that the city's largest drug bust in history which is being praised and the figures involved in it are being praised was really a... It's just a transfer of power. Yeah, it was a three-card Monty yeah. deal where, yeah. you know, the sure. folks that involved in the bust were involved also in the drug running. Yeah, but but I think, I think the thing that... I think the thing that leads me to agreeing with your point, Joe, earlier about it's not... It's a more grounded superhero film is... You know, no one's flying through buildings. Nobody's like, you know, it's not that type yeah, of thing. Yeah, laser like, beam eyeballs. Yeah, what happens is a guy does a thing that could actually happen in sure. real life. And uh, and it's like, a, it, you know, yes, there's a guy in a cape with gadgets in a very implausible scenario. But <laughs> you're going in to see a movie called The Batman. You've yeah, suspended yeah. your disbelief to that point already. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, the thing where certainly a lot of people get hung up on the Batman as a character and a lot of the films is the idea that he would ever have a chance with like going toe to toe with someone like Superman. Of course, he like never that, would. Know? And this this film doesn't ask you to go there because it no, there it is, keeps it right. it keeps it very grounded. There's no reference, like there's no s- s- sneaky little kind of wink at the audience where someone says the phrase Green Lantern Corps or someone references Diana Prince or you right. know, they're not trying to Mm-mm. in this film act like those other things exist. This no. film is about the Batman in Gotham. Well, the birth a, of the vigilanteism a, that he does. I mean, like, sure. it's I mean, all he, from the ground up. We're seeing this for the first time, the the, the characters in this film. Yeah, and, and, and he's young. He's still, I mean, a big part of the movie is him discovering what his purpose is and him, like, right. reevaluating 
his intentions yeah. and his why methods he's, up to that point. His methods, why, why he's doing it in general, like how successful he's been. How successful he's been. How can he get back on track to more of his original purpose and whatever? And I think, and I also think the thing that makes this movie so successful is that from a fan perspective, you have a, gr- a great Batman. There was a lot of talk about how Robert Pattinson's Bruce Wayne would be, and we don't have to confront that because he's because he's barely yeah. in it. So mm-hmm. who gives a there's shit a about scenes. that? Well, he's a recluse. I mean, when he does show up at a funeral, people everyone, are surprised to see. Oh, him. Which oh my is god, often I, the case we, with Bruce you're still Wayne, alive. Right? I mean, we, we haven't seen you in. So it long. is a little bit. I mean, certainly in Batman Begins. Uh, Christian Bale does go out on the town to socialite fundraiser kind of events because the Bruce Wayne in that world is still at least trying to maintain appearances as part of Gotham's elite. This Bruce Wayne ha- doesn't give a shit about that no. at all and isn't even attempting it anymore. Uh, Nor do they ever depict anything like a you know elite within Gotham that anybody would want to see. I mean, the, we see the funeral scene... With the with the dignitaries showing up, and yeah. that's about as close as we get. And that, and that, you know, again, seems motivated enough, but it's not a joyous event. You don't have the cocktail party. You don't yeah, have the, exactly. Yeah. There's, where there's you meet no... the villain girl, but you don't realize that you're right. meeting the villain right. girl. Yeah. You always meet villain Rises, girls yeah. at swanky cocktail parties. The closest parties. we get are the, the club scenes, right? Him going sure. to this club that's kind of central to the underworld mm-hmm. in which is not, this Gotham. Which is not glamorous. It's No, well, there's like, there's a seedy and, you know, dance club. There's a VIP and then there's area. The, 44 below right the club yeah, within the club which is still seedy and like gross yeah, and you know yeah. dubious uh it's where you but, score your eye drops yeah he drops yeah drops yeah but before but so Drop heads. i think that i think pattinson is a is a good batman um and but the thing that makes this movie really successful is from a fan's perspective you have a guy who's playing batman convincingly but you also are given so much of the rogues gallery in one movie in a way that doesn't feel like they're just trying to show you characters that you know. It's not Batman Forever uh, situation. Yeah, it's it makes sense that Selena Kyle is there and that their paths cross. It makes sense that he's his paths cross with Pe- Penguin. It makes sense that his path crosses with Carmine Falcone. All of these people are real characters. They're real people in this yeah. world. And yes, they are iconic villains in the history of Batman as a comic book series. But they're not just there to be there for fan service right. or to just be like, Hey, look, like we know about mm-hmm. this stuff. It's like, they're, they're real enough characters that there's a 45 minute section of this film where the Riddler disappears and you don't notice until he comes back. Like the movie stops being mm-hmm. about the main antagonist at one point mm-hmm. and becomes just about Carmine Falcone. Yeah. And, I didn't bat an eye at it. Mm-mm. I didn't. It didn't even occur to me until Riddler. This is this is a spoiler podcast, by the way. Sure. So if you haven't seen it yet, turn it off. But it didn't even occur to me until Riddler kills Carmine Falcone, and then I'm like, oh yeah, this is the guy that set all these events in motion. What's going to happen with him now? Like now we got to pick back up with this guy and figure out what he's up to and huh. where, what his yeah. end game is and stuff like that. I thought it was the best Catwoman. That's ever been depicted on it's screen. It's a great cat. That yeah, I I will not disagree her, with that. Her I think costuming, this is the best depiction. her costuming, her motivation, the way she moves as Catwoman, all of those things mm. are the best they've ever been. Despite himself, Colin Farrell is amazing. Oh, in this Colin movie. Farrell's a. I don't uh, understand Colin the despite better part. than your. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I, yeah. I I particularly don't. 
I mean, I guess I've liked him more as he's gotten older and has gotten away from being just like the handsome guy and right. things. Like he's good in the lobster and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Bruges. I've never seen that. Oh, uh, but but uh, he he's great in it. John Turturro is phenomenal. Top five character actors of all time. The, like he, he underplays I this thing so so well. Love him in everything. I mean, we talked. I made you guys watch Mister Deeds, and he's like one of my favorite parts of that movie. <laughs> L- uh, luckily, I was able to talk everybody out of trying to watch that uh, Jesus sequel for the Big Lebowski thing. We don't talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he's re- he's really good at it. Jeffrey Wright is fantastic as soon to be Commissioner James Gordon. It's a great little thing. Andy where the circus is great. I mean, yeah, Paul ba- Dano's amazing. Yeah, the Batman. Jeffrey Wright was standing. The Batman is concussed after an explosion or something, and wakes up in the police uh, station with yeah. a bunch of. The handling of the police in Batman, I mean, their relationship is is tenuous. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. They do not like the Batman. There's whispers that there is this vigilante, and then when he begins being more uh, actively you know, on the scene, then you can't argue with that there is a vigilante. It is a guy that dresses up like a bat suit. We don't fucking like this guy. So yeah. they're ready. But he has to, to be there. They're because, ready yeah. to tear him apart in this police station. Yeah. Uh, take his mask off, expose who he is, etc. And the, the way they get out of it is uh, Jeffrey Wright whispers. They come up with a plan. You punch me and go out that door, and that's the route to get out. And <laughs> when they meet up again, he goes, "You could have pulled that punch." And Batman goes, "I did." <laughs> Those there were little pops of humor like that okay, throughout yeah. the film, which just kind of would hit you right when they needed to hit you. Yeah, I think in part, and I have another point about this to combat the long screen time. So I I I agree with you. So I before okay, people started tweeting about this movie immediately mm-hmm. and i was enraged over yeah, it you, we, um, we have and, a story for after hours yeah and one of the tweets that i saw because you know I'll, be, I'll just be going through twitter or whatever when it's slow at the shop and so i started reading one without having really i didn't stop because i saw the word batman and i was like oh i need to read this i was just scanning through them quickly and all of a sudden i saw people are accusing Batman, the Batman of being humorless. And I was like, no, 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 keep scrolling, keep scrolling. And I was like, I don't want to see this. I don't want to read. That was already more than I wanted to know. I was so yeah. mad that I saw it. And so I went into it, you know, having been exposed to that. But there are funny moments in this movie, but it's not the like quip, like Captain America gets a funny line here. No, you no. know, it, this it's is like, not funny, it's, like a Marvel. It's, it's like the movie, penguin no. being tied up and waddling like a penguin. Yeah. Like that's funny, but it's not like, a thing where they're like, look at him waddle like a penguin. Mm-hmm. The camera's literally like, it's right. a huge he overhead go, wah, 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 while he does and he's it. and it's he's yeah. mo- the camera's yeah. moving away from him as we exit the scene, and we just get a few little yeah. clips of him trying to get out of this place that they've deserted him in. And yes, he's but it is interesting. And it's it, funny again, especially when you're thinking of it as this extension of an you know pre-existing intellectual property where you have to take note of it evolving over time. It was very much based in humor at one time, at least how mm-hmm. it was being adapted for the screen. Um, and, you know, so to see it evolve into what it has, that humor is so much of a small, you know, barely like, it's, it's like four jokes. Yeah, it's there. And I'm not saying that it isn't. And I don't understand. I don't think it helps combat the screen time, I think, works. I, I'm not a complainer. I'm not saying three Love, hours is too long. I think it's it. fine. I never felt bored, bogged down, like they could have shaved stuff. It never didn't, it didn't feel like that to me. If anything, I feel like I say this uh, fairly regularly. I could see them taking it and stretching it a little bit and having it be like four hour long episodes. Yeah. Um, wh- where like these various parts would happen, but that's just you know me, and I think in terms of miniseries these days, for for whatever reason, but. 
the idea that, you know, like humor has become such a small part of a franchise that was once sort of popular as this kind of, you know, iconic instance of humor in comic book characters and, you know, from the 60s, this kind of pop art moment that it, it sat in. Yeah. Th- that it's fascinating. And, that, and no wonder, you know, so then people, especially critics who have recollections of that sort of Batman, it is, I think, something that stands out maybe it, not to me necessarily but i understand why it stands out yeah and and given what a f- just like dark care like even even in the context of the 1966 film in the 60s television yeah. series if you stop and tell somebody if if you described the Adam West Batman to somebody yeah. and you said, "Oh yeah, he is a millionaire who dresses up in a bat suit to fight crime because his parents were murdered in front of him." Yeah, like it's a dark. They downplay that. It, <laughs> that's not a big part of the series. It's not yeah. a big part of the yeah. series, but it is who the character oh, sure. is. It's yeah, why no. the character. So and like, that's no where matter these what, darker ad- adaptations like definitely. Yeah, root themselves course, in that if, that sort of core trauma that creates this character. Yeah, because yeah. of course, if you're 12 and watch your parents gun down in front, you're gonna be fucked up, like you know. Sure. And so it makes it's like it makes sense that it's a darker character. If you're it fucked up with means, you can be Batman. Make a car yeah, like that. Sure, uh, but it's 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 interesting because I was talking to Josh about it. And he asked if Robert Pattinson was my favorite actor to play Batman. And I, I, I don't think that he is. I think I still like Christian Bale a little bit more, mm. but mostly because Christian Bale is 250 pounds of like pure muscle in those movies. And so he makes... He did bulk up. He makes a lot more sense as a physically intimidating presence in terms of like Batman yeah. having to intimidate the criminal underworld. And he's a good Bruce Wayne as well. Uh, I think they tried to balance that with the makeup on Pattinson with the scars and the, yeah, the bruises I, I, and I stuff. I mean, he still, sure. he still works, but if we were looking yeah. at No, but I get, I get all, exactly you know, what you mean. Uh, a couple times that they gave us like close shots of his back or his shoulders or his arm. Like, he's bony. He is not you know. an imposing physical presence no. in the way that some other act, not Keaton, but certainly Bale. Certainly Bale. Affleck to a certain extent. Yeah. Though I Kilmer. I don't like that Kilmer yeah Yeah. Um, and then he asked me if I thought Riddler was the best Batman villain in a film at uh, up to this point or whatever Mm -hmm. and I was like no I still think Heath Ledger's Joker is the best Batman Heath Ledger's Joker is Um, more of a presence throughout the film yeah in Dark Knight that's a difference but when Paul Dano Dano comes on holy Christ he's really that scene with him and Pattinson in the Arkham Asylum you know with the where he turns and then you know Batman makes it clear he's not affiliated you know like you may think I've been playing into your thing and playing along with you but you are the opposite of what I am you know all that and then he switches and he goes oh it's beautiful And and I even I was I saw it with with the uh, with the family and and Adela was you know sitting next to me and when that scene started because that's really some of the first that you're hearing him talk they've just arrested him we've just seen him in the mask you know yeah. the, she's like oh he looks like such a I can't remember exactly what she said normal guy nice guy yeah easy go like it doesn't make sense just like in prisoners and then as he turned I <laughs> looked over and I could see <laughs> like see the it. fear come into yeah. her eyes yeah. where it's like oh this is hold, a hold on honey you guy. haven't seen there will be blood <laughs> yeah. well because it's coming because he's because he's scary in that yeah. scene but oh that's but, what he does I mean like yeah, people yeah, hire yeah. him to do that <laughs> yeah but but the reason that I bring all that up is because despite having stronger in, in, in my opinion to some extent stronger components the dark knight still doesn't add up to as being as good a film as this one mm. the sum is sometimes greater than its parts and i say that 
in large part because at that time, I feel like Christopher Nolan is really interested in like really believable world building and spectacle. It's like some of his first few films at, at that point, he's had Batman Begins, Prestige, and then The Dark Knight is probably his biggest budget at that point. And so he's ramping up as a filmmaker that will get greenlit for more and more money. Mm -hmm. And so he's interested in doing these big things like flipping an 18 wheeler over like backside over top right and things like and you know blowing up hospitals and having these fairies full of people and these big spectacular wide shots and stuff like that and so whereas later with like things like inception or tenant like we see some of his more artistic side come out in the way he's telling stories and i mean obviously that was there in memento but he kind of abandons the more experimental ways of storytelling for a little while Whereas with this well, one, prestige is pretty complicated in its own way, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you get what I'm saying. Uh, yeah. But with Matt Reeves, I feel like we're getting just this huge, like, bold artistic take on the character, the lighting, yeah. like the fucking flare when he's leading all those people yeah. out of. That was a good shot. What yeah. is Madison Square Garden? Yeah. Essentially, it's like, yeah. was incredible. Cinematography lesson right there. The sen- the whole thing is shot yeah. so well. It has such a specific like style and point of view and unique artistic it's take the on most, the character. It's the most real um, version of a Gotham that I've ever seen. But also in a way where not everything looks like the way things look in real life. Like there's interesting lighting decisions. It's all and, yeah. and it's just it's it's taking some of sure. those like bold choices that like a colorist in a comic book would take without removing it from the reality of the world as we know it to a certain extent. And it's that com- it's that ability to balance those two things mm-hmm. that I think makes it so exceptional and makes it so interesting to watch, especially given like the three hours that it runs. You know, you're. Mm. Even in times where it's just him and Selena riding motorcycles next to each other, like it's just <laughs> I did everything. I was, questioning, cool. I was questioning that passage though at the end where where Loved it's like it. I think it was I were think they, it was earned. They go I think separate directions because yeah, you knew well, that was coming, and once it does, it's we, so we gratifying. see them driving along, him behind her for a little while, then they come side by side, and then eventually they get to the crossroads, and he goes one way, she goes the other, and he looks they, back, but she doesn't because she's a bad bitch. R- right, right. <laughs> I, yeah, it's. I mean, I think this is a very good film. I enjoyed it immensely. I, I think uh, I'm not ready to go where Carlos is, like declaring this is better than what Nolan did with The Dark Knight. I, I have to go back and review that evidence, and I haven't done that <laughs> recently enough. No, seriously. I'm with I mean, you. No, I'm totally no, with you. This I has just, a freshness to it. This is new and yeah, exciting. It's something we like can I play with now. I feel like I need a little time yeah. with, with that to make that kind of judgment, because that film did stand out to me then and still now in my memory as a film that really kind of changed yeah. how I was thinking about what was possible with comic book films. Um, This film doesn't feel as revelatory, I'll say that, because I think it is following in the footsteps. I see what you're saying as a point of evolution from what we know. Right, right. Because that was a big evolution. Nolan's evolution was a big evolution from the Burton Sherman... Sh- uh, fuck, what's his name? Burton Rainey. Sher- Joel oh, Schumacher. Schumacher. Thank yeah. you. Sh- Shoemaker is yeah, where I was going. Yeah. It's an evolutionary point taking back Ma- Batman darker yeah. away from the fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know. Chill. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is an evolution, I think, in an attempt to make it even darker. Even darker. Yeah, I mean, that. it's it's just a further progression of a path we already see. If the, uh, Like, it doesn't feel like a new turn in the film in the way that the other one did. So, that, But that doesn't mean it's a worse or better. It, it's just to say that it doesn't... F- play the same role mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. evolution of the genre. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think that this is uh 
I think it's the platonic form of a Batman movie. I think it's the thing. I think it's. I think it's the thing that's inside the marble that every. Di- the, the, when are we the, gonna the, get it? Though you, you we can on. peel it further. We hold can on. peel it further. Hold on, let me we can get rid of that, finish. We can get rid this of that is, costume. This is the. It's gonna happen. Uh, it shouldn't. Though. I'm predicting it's um, gonna happen though. Oh, he can't do what he needs to do without that costume. No, but it's gonna be the like a suit. It's gonna be more minimally. like a suit. It'll be you real can ditch subtle. the cape for sure. You can get it down to like just a like a skin tight black Kevlar. with like Kevlar yeah. kind of like yeah. thing, and then maybe like some sort of headpiece or something that like they can whittle it down but in the well, pockets well, of his, his shit he's got his, gadgets man his, i mean and his, there's more to come yeah, sorry yeah, yeah. Cole, his, his cowl's already leather so they've taken that down there you quite go. a bit that's true um but this is the film in the big block of marble that all of the directors that preceded this have been chipping away to get to and i say that because batman was always meant to be a film noir always like this mm-hmm. is the I was saying earlier true to the comic itself this is the perfect Film style, setting, cinematography, color palette, Uh like everything about it is the way that it's always been meant to be. But because of where we started with comic book movies and things, that it's just taken a while for it to be bold, for there to be, uh, you know, a studio willing to believe in that and pour money into it because you know if you said if you said to someone in 1989 hey we're gonna make a detective yeah. film noir maltese falcon style fucking batman movie they'd be like why would you do that those movies are old you know mm-hmm. yeah well and, and it sure, finally and got sure that's there not, but i'm sure that's not how reeves even pitched it if he if he was uh, but i hear not, I hear what not you're those saying. exact words but that's I what think, it is right you well i'm just saying you still couldn't sell the studio on that concept you'd have to wrap it a little differently but but i hear what you're saying I think there is definitely the progression there. I feel it, but I'm I don't know the comic book well enough to say did it start in a sunnier place that made sense for that '60s series. It started or? with bat. It started with Batman being set apart from Superman in that he was a mortal, right. and he had to use intellect. Yeah. And gadgetry right, right. to achieve what but Superman it was, otherwise would. But it was would. pretty bright and chipper. In the early years, I but don't he, know. It but well but he uh, also he appears in a series called Detective Comics. Right, mm-hmm. right, like, so right. So that's right, always right. been a part yeah. of it. So and, I like, and yes, you're right. It's never. It didn't start out. No, as Frank Miller's Year One, yeah, yeah. Or like, Killing Joke and other. Well, that's yeah. that's. I guess what I'm saying is like, I you, I hear you, you you saying that it goes to what it it's always meant to be. I, I think what the films have always meant to be as well. Okay, okay, uh, okay. I wanted to discuss the score for just one second. I thought the score was it's incredible, great. and the use of the score, the way that the the staccato and the the blaring kind mm-hmm. of horn horn heavy score at some points was used. Uh, I saw it in our uh, what we call IMAX theater here, and the bass during the car chase sequence. What I meant earlier when I said mm. jokes as beats in a three-hour <laughs> film. Uh, it is that when you write that script before you maybe even begin um, storyboarding it, you put beats in where required, and they scattered those beat those humor beats. They also scattered the Batman, like Batman, be doing really cool shit beats. Um, the jumping off of the gargoyle yeah. uh, and 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 having underneath his other costume a. Uh, gliding suit like a sugar glider suit the yeah. car chase it's not yeah. constant action like no you but they're very deliberate Marvel. set pieces very that deliberate they roll and out i think you're right they're kind of at the points they need to be to like get you like ooh, that satisfy that satisfaction of action yeah that 
needs to come somewhat regularly sure. to keep you involved. Yeah. In the car chase sequence, when he's chasing the penguin, right? Uh, prior to that, he and Alfred had had a heart to heart about, and he mentions, you know, what am I doing the last two years? I've gotten past the idea that I am not afraid to die, which would be important in this situation because anytime you go mano a mano in a dark alleyway with a guy with a gun and you don't have a gun and your face is unprotected, you could be shot and killed any moment. Yeah. So you have to have a fear of not. I mean, 50 Cent got shot in the not, face and he survived. Who did? 50, 50 Cent. That's the truth. Yeah, yeah, you're right. All people <laughs> who we shot in the face. But we were talking about mortals. We were talking about mortals. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. Good point. Yeah. Um, so in that car chase, he there's a, it's a part where he he, know, he sees the danger, the imminent danger. Now that the the do- domino effect of a, of an eighteen wheeler jackknifing yeah. is occurring and explosions are beginning to occur, where he just has to go even faster into the fire. Mm-hmm. And when that fucking um, conveyor can. Uh, car conveyor truck mm-hmm. drops its thing so it can make yeah. a ramp i i think i applauded and i certainly <laughs> went woohoo you know i i yeah. involuntarily yeah. but the but the base of the score in those moments was certainly helping my yeah. you know entire sensory yeah. overload in that situation and then you see the part that you'd seen in the trailer where the car's flying through the fire toward the penguin after the right. penguin uh-huh. it was so well done it's so cool it was yeah. so well it was cool it yeah. was just cool it was fucking badass yeah. yeah and that's what it needs there needs to be badass it, stuff in these movies and there and was they, a bunch of badass right stuff right and i think also the, the one you know other way that they really pushed the film uh you know certainly in terms of darkness is weaving even more of the family history into the problematic nature of Gotham right yeah. Th- so this that's, is, that's this is as from... deeply as Thomas Wayne in the films yeah, yeah, yeah. has been involved sure. in the underworld and right. uh, he's you know, always been a 100% philanthropist in the in yeah. past incarnations sure. Boy yeah. Scout yeah right yeah, this was this was heavily influenced by Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo's uh, Court of Owls storyline from 2011-12, okay. going into Year Zero, which was like a heavy, heavily Riddler focused story uh-huh. arc that went on for like a year and a half or so. I think I think the best run of Batman that any writer artist yeah. duo has ever had uh, is Snyder and Capullo. But Court of Owls is very much about the like legacy of corruption in Gotham and yeah. how far back it goes and how deep it well, goes. Well, that's certainly here. And yeah. so there's there's a lot of that. Uh, the last couple of things that I'll, that I'll say, I have two positive things to say and the only note that I have will be last. Um, I came out of the theater saying, no notes, perfect movie. And then I was like, wait, I have one. First, this is a masterclass in trailer cutting, which I know isn't necessarily about the film, but it is about the marketing of the film, which heavily impacts the enjoyment of said film a lot of the stuff we saw was from very early in this movie uh with the exception of yeah the, with the exception of dano uh, with the exception of dano in the coffee shop yeah. and the um car chase scene right those are like the two big things that but even the car chase scene is about the bisection of the film yeah, it's about, about the halfway, halfway through point, yeah uh, so I love that the fight choreography is fucking sick. Um, yeah. it's yeah. really, really good, especially in the group settings and good, good sound design in those two. I was noticing that great like sound just design. When, when hits were, you know, you were hearing them, like you can hear those sides of beef getting smacked. Yeah. And, but and a also, reminder that Batman can get hurt uh, yeah, that's many times and there's stakes here. Yeah. He gets the shit kicked out of him a bunch of times. Like, I mean, he still wins the fight. He up, he gets that's hit. adrenaline, right? That he injects himself with yeah. something uh, the, like yeah, that. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, he's out. He, he's, he he's is. Out. He, well, but, a shotgun but, blast at point 
point blank range, even into Kevlar or whatever his stuff yeah, is. Yeah. Just yeah. The, the, that'll do it. The pure force of it is like sure. And yeah. even if it doesn't pierce the skin, I mean, right. you know, just the brute force of that. But even before that, he gets like hit a bunch, you yeah. know, and yeah. like uh, and thrown around, and especially with the gliding suit thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was something I could have imagined. Uh, David Gurney cackle coming from the front row if we were in the same theater. Were you in the front um, row on this yeah, film? Okay. Yeah. Oh, and then big time spoiler, folks, if you haven't already turned this off and haven't seen it yet, my one note is the Joker at the end. You don't like that that's in there? I I like the casting a lot, and I think that guy's going to be really good when mm-hmm. he shows up in a Batman film as Joker. Mm-hmm. But we just had, what's his dick, um, Joaquin Phoenix... Mm-hmm. Uh, we just had that Joker movie. Sure. What? So three years ago, we had that Joker movie. Three years before that, roughly, we had Jared Leto and Suicide Squad. Right. And then five, six years before that, seven years, we had Heath Ledger. Mm-hmm. And then we had Nicholson in 89. Um, what other villain has appeared at that many times in Batman? I just, I just feel like, but it's so it's, I mean, he's an iconic villain, but I just feel like there have been so well, many, he's so tied to Batman. I mean, it's, it's hard to conceive of Batman without Joker in some he, ways. He is, but it seems like, I well, think we'll like 100% I mean, right service. now Reeves is claiming yeah, that always. he has no interest in doing or has no, I shouldn't even say interest. I feel like he's being careful in the way he's yeah. putting it. He's saying like, I had no design on making another film that would include that character. I just wanted this to be a piece of that world. The Arkham is filled with a rogue gallery Apparently there was already. a scene yeah. earlier in the film that they ended up cutting yeah. where he goes to, Batman goes to Arkham to interview an inmate to like try to get inside the head to understand more where Riddler is coming from. Mm. One of those kind of scenes. That's interesting. And it was him meeting with Joker. And it um, would have made it clear that he was the one who put Joker in prison and that he, okay. or yeah, anyway. That would be interesting. But I kind of like that they ended up cutting that and there's only that whisper of it. But I do think he's being cheeky because, okay, this is making the big money it needs to. Yeah. I'm sure is they're going to be on the it? phone with him on Monday. Hey. It's the second biggest gross opening of, we, the, of the pandemic. What oh, do we? Okay. What do you think if we put out a press release that says we're going to do that sequel yeah. <laughs> and you're coming back next year? No. I, would, I, would love, I would love a sequel. I would prefer a Penguin sequel uh, where he's the number one like a sequel about penguins well, power be grab. Interesting. They might get, um, they might be able to pull it off where they can it, probably it becomes work less in. about like a central. I mean, this one has the diversity. Like you yeah. said, we spend time with penguin. We spend time with uh Carmine. We spend time with Riddler. I mean, very sad. They killed Carmine. Though. We can, that's true. So he can't come he can't back, come back but we can definitely have, penguin still and we can certainly have riddler he's yeah. you know just locked up around, and we yeah. can have joker so i mean it, it could be you know i think of it more like uh you know a continuation like the godfather part two like we'll expand out the yeah. world a little bit we'll bring in some more characters but it's not going to be like one of them becomes the central villain yeah that maybe would be, maybe that would be nice i mean for me the penguin thing allows you to bring in some of the kind of more ancillary rogues that are mafia yeah. tied in like Victor Zaz who like I think is such an underutilized villain he's like a a guy who kills people and every time he does he tic-tac or he uh what's the when it's like four lines and then the slash through it for the five what do you call that oh 
I don't know what you call that. I know it's what you mean, name, like right? just marking. Yeah, he, yeah. He, his body's covered in them for oh. like, and that's like that's sinister, you that know. And that would be sure. like a good self harm villain to have scary. in there, you know. Uh, Could you like imagine Hyman Roth being in the sequel? That would be incredible. Uh, Josh told me <laughs> they were. Try. Josh told me they were doing a Penguin show, which would be cool. Oh, interesting. Like the way they did Peacemaker. with Farrell. I, I would assume so. Wow. Dude, uh, I, I leaned over to Aislinn during the movie. I was like, by the way, the penguin's Colin Farrell. And she's like, no, no it's not. And <laughs> you do not recognize him at all. No, it it's like Tom Cruise is less gross when Trump. Yeah, no, no, you see Tom eyes, Cruise it's there. It's like, if anything, you can kind of see his eyes I there. Didn't. But that's about I thought it was it. completely immersed. No, I mean, I immersed. can kind of tell it was his eyes. Yeah, but it's great. I, I, I like this movie very much. In fact, I, if there are five better movies in 2022 to knock this out of my oh. top five list at the end of the year, it's going to be a great year. I feel film. pretty confident that it will that will happen. But I agree. Right now, it sits pretty close to the top of 2022. It does. Just under Jackass Just under Jackass. Yeah. yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, that's, a, that's a tough one. And also when I say that to go back to my opening statements when I say this is the best Batman movie that there is, while I do mean that, it's a, it's not a huge gap between this and Dark Knight. You know <laughs> okay, what I'm saying? Okay. It's not like right. this one blew it out of the water or anything. Well, yeah, it's, it's your still, remarks didn't make it seem like it was that dramatic. Close, I, change, do, yeah. I do I do have a lot of love for yeah. the No, no failure well, to wash from our mouths yeah, today. Was, no, in, not at all. Definitely our time in Gotham City was has been pleasant thus far. Lot, lots of fun just t- talking about the things we loved. Do we have the same about Green City here in our glasses? Do, do we have lots of things that we love about this concoction? I'm digging it. I loved it. Yeah, I like it a lot. To me, this is like, this is the other half living up to its reputation. I remember hearing about them, people telling me there's this brewery up in Brooklyn, you know, New York, they're, they're brewing these great IPAs, you got to try them. Oh, people line up, they try to get them. And, you know, finally started being able to have a can or two here or there. Uh, but it's hit or miss sometimes. I've had some, you know, I, I said in the intro that there is a rep, there is part of the reputation that is them putting out stuff that's so super dry hopped, it comes off green. It's just too much. It's too potent in those early kind of uh, weeks of release. This one is about two months old, mm-hmm. and, and I'm not saying that mellowed it or anything, but it seems like it's drinking just like it should be right now. Mm-hmm. So I'm totally happy with... Uh, us having opened these cans this afternoon. A lot of balance in this, the hops and the malt. I, I, This is an IPA that I could really get behind. The last time we had other half was episode 120 alongside Sound of Metal. It oh, was their double yeah. dry hopped Galaxy Plus Strata, the Imperial IPA. Yeah, yeah. I like yeah that. So that's, I think we're bat, they're batting a hundred thousand right With now us, on yeah, Beer on and a Movie. Podcast for sure. yeah. yeah. Good I job, kn- guys. I know they have that that reputation for the greenery, I, but I, I feel like Maybe only one out of the ten times I've had them. I don't know how have many you times I've had that? them. Have yeah. I felt that? It's, it hasn't been. More often than not, it's like right in the money. It's a big again, malt Just fun. like the Batman was. Right <laughs> well, you and I think so, Carlos. I think yeah. David's pulling his punches. David. I, I didn't. I, I like it. I just, I, I'm, I, I liked it a lot. I just don't feel like you, I, I don't quite go to the superlative links that you guys are yeah, right no, now. No, I, yeah. I, I liked yeah. it a lot. And I think when my son comes down for spring break, we might even try to go catch it again. Cool. He's already seen it twice. So Kylie and I almost went the next day again. Wow. And yeah. And wow. I and I should also say a big part of my 
love for it is that I'm so used to being disappointed by these movies <laughs> that the fact that this one just you're happy also to be. it should be no uh, not to toot my own horn or anything but I've been pitching this film for like ten years yeah that was a soft pitch we were gonna do the Batman we- no 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 I, I'm saying I've been I've been pitching the detective film noir Batman oh I see to like friends and when we're talking especially when Batman versus Superman came out uh. and Batman movies were a big topic of conversation for a little while yeah. because of how hugely bad I mean hugely bad <laughs> that movie was I was like you know they just need to make a rated R which we didn't get that with this one but close enough the, uh, it, rated R detective film noir style film for Batman it would be perfect it'd be everything that the fans have always wanted and they gave it to us you get two F words to get an R they used their one up at the almost at the very beginning of the film yeah the, oh, what was the F word I yeah, didn't know. Uh, yeah I didn't it's notice. the commissioner yeah. when he comes in like yeah, he says it get this. Uh, he says it yeah, uh, I don't yeah, it's pretty prominent. I, yeah, it, it's funny. A thumb this drive, really, this, a, a severed thumb. Yeah, this I is mean, about as hard a PG thirteen as you can get. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, almost was, surprised that they eked out a PG thirteen. The Riddler shit was one. clever. Well, it, if I mean, if we had seen even one nipple, it would have been R. No, that's unless, it's on, unless it's on top of the suit. Very, <laughs> unless it's on top of the very suit. tamped down sexuality for sure. Though there is a little bit of chemistry between them, and we do get a couple kisses. The kiss was um, important. It was making but, Batman really have, or rather sure, Bruce Wayne, have to reconsider exactly sure. what he was doing, why Loved he was it. doing, and how he was doing. But it's more was, disturbing violence. I mean, like the, that's the what Riddler I'm saying is, is pretty, that it's silly yeah. how fucked up the violence is. But if we had right. seen one nipple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be rated Batman's R. initial Ugh. way to do it was to instill fear and learned throughout the film that instilling fear for the purpose of controlling a population, in this case to be yeah. less criminal, doesn't work. Doesn't work. What no. do we need? We need a symbol of hope. Of hope, yeah. Very, very good movie. Very David, good movie. I don't understand why you didn't like it. <laughs> I hope we get a solo Catwoman movie, too. That would be incredible. But Well, did David like the second film? We'll see. Uh, we'll see when we come back. All right, we we need to get some more beer in our glasses, and don't worry, we're not we're not going to change topics. We're still going to talk Batman. We had, a, uh, we had an unlimited way that we could have done the second film this time. I'm happy with what we came we up. We did, with. yeah. We talked about some other routes, but it, but it made sense. We we haven't covered Batman before, so we we should do it this way. So it's well, the Batman movie starring Adam West and Burt Ward. <laughs> well, but before we get there, we're going to have a beer um, that that I had in my fridge that I wasn't necessarily planning to bring today, but. On the day that we're recording this, I happen to read some sad news. Um, This uh, is is coming from, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, but let's just go English with it. Brewery Three Fontenin, um, the acclaimed Belgian brewery, who we uh, have had on the podcast. Yeah, and that appeared as one of my top three beers from last year when we did the Bammies. Right. I'm happy Um, about this. And this was uh, posted earlier today. It is with heavy heart and deep sorrow that we report the death of Armand. The uh, the inspiration to many, gentle teacher for his team, Grandpa Goose for the brewery children, and a second father to some. In the beginning of 2019, Armand was diagnosed with cancer. The impact of the treatment has constantly demanded a lot of energy, and even surrounded by the best possible uh, you know, health uh, care workers, Armand's body could never truly recover. Tonight he left us. So sad news coming from them. Um, you know... It, but I felt like it was an appropriate occasion to hoist our glasses to, to Armand. 
Armand, yeah. a brewer a brewer who has brought much joy to the world and left a great mark on the world. And I think rarely do we celebrate that with what we drink. So let's pop that open, guys, and get some in our glasses. Let's do it. This is, by the way, the Three Fontenen Oud Goose. Um, so this would be a spontaneously fermented beer that then then is aged for a while. Um, no fruit added here. The, before we had had that, uh, what was the name again? You said uh, root. Oh, never mind. <laughs> okay, but it was a red. It was it was sort of like there were cherries, right? We, we yeah, the cherries yeah. was the um, adjunct, and it was delicious. But this is just uh, you know malt, yeast, hops, and <laughs> we're gonna taste intense rude. Oh, intense rude. There you go. So did you say the ABV 6.2%? I didn't. Okay. Thank you. 6.2%. Um, blended with lambics from nine different barrels originating from eight different brews. Wow. Uh, the oldest portion in this blend was brewed at the beginning of 2016. But I'm only reading that because I laughed because it says bottling date 12th of September 2018. Best before the 26th of October, 2038. <laughs> <laughs> These do have a good shelf life on them. I know I know. Harold, friend of the podcast, uh, has a bottle, and I think it's the Armand and Gaston. That's one of their varieties. I think that he has set aside for when his daughter turns 21. Bought oh, great. It, bought it when she was born. Yes. Is aging it until she's of legal drinking age, which is wonderful. badass. Yeah, within the uh, I wish I had been so thoughtful back the then. The patience this man has, I, <laughs> I swear. I know. He's, he's a saint. Um, true. So we are... We're going back to really, to really where it all began. No disrespect to Adam West, because the man is a legend, an icon in his own right. But as far as the modern-day cinematic depiction of Bruce Wayne slash Batman. It all began in 1989 uh, when a humble young filmmaker named Tim Burton, uh, <laughs> he, he had a bunch of hits already. He was yeah. fresh on the heels not, of his success with Beetlejuice. Hits, I mean, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice yeah. was fairly successful. Pee-wee's Big Adventure was fairly successful. Yeah. But this is definitely a different... This was a step up. Uh, sure. To a, a new, new a new, uh, A new league for him. A big budget blockbuster Hollywood type of... Uh, endeavor that he had not previously right. uh done before um and you know one of one of my favorite things about this movie and it's lo- so if you don't know what it's about it's um about the fucking batman <laughs> um bruce wayne uh he's established in the city at this point and uh but still still somewhat newer like you know he's he, He's a rumor amongst right. the criminal this, this, underworld, uh, and there's still the, some... The police are still trying to downplay it and pretend there's no yeah. such thing. But and, the yeah. press are trying to expose it as real and not just, you know, so there's... You got one uh, reporter who's going to uncover the whole Knox. thing. Knox. Robert yeah. Wool. Uh, and so, yeah. So, uh, established <laughs> to a certain extent, but, uh, but still definitely, like... The powers that be are trying to keep it under wraps, mm-hmm. uh, trying to downplay his existence and all that kind of stuff, but... Really, the inciting incident of this film is when um, Jack Napier, played by Jack Nicholson, uh, is set up by Jack Palance, lots of Jacks, um, and they're trying to knock off this chemical factory. Uh, Police get tipped off. This raid happens. Jack Napier falls into a vat of chemicals, comes out the Joker. 
usurps his former boss, uh, mm-hmm. seizes power of the gang activity and criminal underworld in Gotham and sets off on a violent rampage of random attacks and killings and such. And uh, so the Batman meets his first and greatest foe. Mm-hmm. And that's the film. Uh, one of my favorite things about this movie is that it, it proves to us that fans have always been awful because uh, when this movie came out and oh, Michael yeah. Keaton was cast, Mr. Mom was cast mm-hmm. as Batman, comic book fans lost their minds. If there had been a Twitter, Tim Burton would have gotten death threats. I mean, it was a huge yeah. fucking deal and people That's were interesting. angry about it. Uh, and all- it just goes to show that it's this 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 isn't new. It's just more right. easily accessible. You had to write a letter back then. You know what was new though. Uh, I, I saw this film as a junior in high school. Was the gripping hold that Batman Fever had over pop culture leading up to the film. The Prince songs that had come out. I think that they were number that they were number one at the on the charts when the film came out. This I went back and I googled the top five ten films uh, from 1988 back even farther to see if there was an event film like this in that period or were we really seeing something new? It, and we really were seeing something new. Uh, there were event films in the sense of you know titles that we could all talk about but star wars indiana see, jones but no yes. but you're going back to 70 i mean the, the birth of that you're going back uh, over a decade i mean leading up to this the superhero film didn't really exist no superman, superman was the only yeah. real precursor true, series true yeah. but there was a big gap there you know they didn't was, try to tackle superman more had petered out i mean yeah. superman, superman had a fell flat on its face sure, fourth film right and those last one or two sequels were just whole. I mean, and they yeah. whole and they really they really sullied the reputation of the the previous films. Sure, the first Superman and even the second Superman, Neil before Zod, are you know I good. Mean, they're a function of their time. Yeah, when yeah, they good. were made, right. the effects, effects that were available. Wasn't where it was, and it, but yeah, this no. was we're gonna do something that you guys haven't seen before, and yeah. they pulled it off. I mean, brilliantly from yeah. a marketing point of view. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I have, and it's no longer complete, but a box of Batman trading cards in the shop. No, complete with no it. longer complete. You you gave a card to somebody to make it incomplete? Uh, yeah, I open packs sometimes and I'll throw oh. them in shipments and stuff. Oh, I mean, they're not really worth anything because oh, okay. it was... By 89, in comics and collectibles and stuff, people by that point were aware that some of these things had value. Would gain value. Okay. And so the industry started pushing towards that kind of marketing Mm -hmm. of just like this is a limited edition thing or like whatever and so people were buying stuff up in mass to sit on it i mean comic books from the 90s it's changing a little bit because of the movies and stuff but a lot of those comics and baseball cards trading cards are absolutely worthless so Um, so like reeves and nolan how do you kick off the Batman yeah. franchise you bring in an auteur this is our first yeah dance in, on this show really? with, Tim with Tim Burton, Burton? yeah we haven't done any That's of his crazy. films yeah that makes sense yeah I guess he hasn't really done heat. anything worthwhile in a, in, in a long time but uh, yeah bring in Danny Elfman uh, oh sure yeah who had I, he scored anything prior to this yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. Pee Wee okay, okay, yeah. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice of course, he's been working yeah yeah he um he came up with the theme 
for this film on an airplane. And yeah. at that time, he carried a tape recorder around with him because that's what you did. You didn't have yeah. smartphones. And when he got back uh, to start actually writing, writing the composition, down, yeah. he could barely hear his whistling mm -hmm. over the noise of the jet engines oh, yeah. and almost had lost whatever it was, but was able to, you know, decipher it and pick it back yeah. out. Right. It's one of the greatest like soundtracks or like film scores. And yeah. it really takes you back to, I mean, obviously takes you back to 1989, but there was this time in film score where it was big, fucking orchestras like at all the music sounded not all yeah. of it, but a lot of the music just sounded huge and epic and just grandiose and this one especially with danny elfman's affinity for uh big brass yeah. sounds i mean you really just get this huge uh, iconic bombastic score to accompany like the ever changing of comic book films in but, the cultural zeitgeist. Batman being Batman stylistically being such a departure from Donner's Superman, you really are seeing, like I said when we did Last House on the Left a few weeks ago, Tim Burton invented the buttons. Like he he showed us yeah. what this whole modern superhero movement would be like more or less. It all this is the point of evolution. Right here, this movie. I agree with it's that. It's a huge yeah. step. I mean, it, he he did some very interesting things uh, to bring the the film to life. You know, on on the screen, um, clearly going back to the comic books and looking at the art and the way that things were laid out and mm -hmm. looking at the way the shot. You know, like and trying to bring that through in the cinematography. I think you see that a lot. The set but also design. seeing which he already had the the interest in with Beetlejuice, so you can see that like having that interest in German expressionism, bringing in those kind of canted angle sets and that yeah. th these weird kind of like it's it really just kind of meshes together in a way in this perfect kind of harmony gets created where you have this director who's building this very distinctive style and this type of film that has never really found its full expression on the big screen. And in that moment, he helped to crystallize that, right? He helped his style meshed with what comic books already were and what fans of comic books wanted to see, even if they hadn't realized it. Yeah. And lo and behold, what you get is this very vibrant vision, but very dark. Yeah. <laughs> and it, dark in terms of lighting, in terms of colors, color palette, right? The yeah. color palette and everything. In fact, I remember, so the 89, I was 11 years old, mm -hmm. I believe, or maybe about to turn 11 when, when this came out. And I remember going to see it with my dad and I remember him complaining so much about how dark the film was. Yeah. Like, I, I, it, it really touched off, uh, I think, some of the bigger budget kind of... Uh, uh, you know, blockbuster films taking on a darker look in general. Yeah. It, you know, not even just in the superhero genre. So it's, I don't know, this is this is definitely one of those films where it had been a few years since I had seen it last and watching it again, it it's everything that I think it was. Like, I... I love Michael Keaton's Batman. When when we were saying earlier, is Patton's in the best? I still think my heart's with Keaton, if only because I kind of like how... I like that Wayne is dark, but is not as dark as some of these other ones. I think Keaton he has a sense of humor. Yeah. I think Keaton, if the script had called for it, I would have loved to have seen. Let me put it this way: I'd love to have seen Michael Keaton playing Batman in 2020, 2022, because I think he could have done that. And and I I just like his presence as Batman in ways that I don't always love Bale 
or Pattinson, maybe. There, there were even some moments there. But George Clooney, you love. George Clooney, just 100%. The nipples really do it for you. <laughs> no, and, the, and, the I, and I like Keaton as Batman. So, so I, I, do think, too. I think that that works. I, I love Nicholson as Joker mm-hmm. because I love Nicholson. Especially and, in that place and time, there, there was no larger a, I want to say movie star mm-hmm. at that moment, but movie presence at that moment. And, right. and I think, you know, I think a true testament to what an absolutely iconic performance he gave in this movie and how like he really didn't just hit it out of the park but into the next city's mm-hmm. baseball park stadium uh was that <laughs> where the ball come from oh, <laughs> yeah it's nicholson and nicholson <laughs> was almost 20 years later people were still saying oh what's this fucking ledger kid gonna do he can't he, that's true he, he can't top that's nicholson true. but think about this I mean, I mean he did but the fact sure. that that much well, time went by, and it's movies such a changed. They're so, so different. Well, I mean, they that are, can, but that was a big topic at the time. No, I understand, you know? but I'm saying, like, I don't know that there he can't had, be a better. Joke. I even have to, right. me saying I love Keaton the most. I'm still not going to make the argument that Keaton was the best. He's just my favorite. Well, the conventional wisdom is the Batman of your youth, much like the Saturday Night Live cast of your youth is fair, your favorite fair. one. Fair, fair. The, there yeah, are things that but, people get hung up on and, from their past, and. I suppose that I might have misrepresented my statement. I, I, I'm not saying that Heath Ledger's Joker is better than Jack Nicholson's, but he was able to deliver a performance that, that didn't seem it paled in comparison. Yes. And I get, yes, yes, I will go there. That's, that's what, what I was, I was trying thinking to say. when I was watching Jack Nicholson this time around, because how many times have you seen Batman? It has been a large gap since I've seen it. Heath Ledger could watch Jack Nicholson's Batman as a point of reference. Jack Nicholson had no, no point of well, reference. Well, Cesar Romero. Cesar Romero. <laughs> yeah, okay, you hold Look, on. Hold put on. some respect Case. on the man's name. You're absolutely yeah. right. But he commits to this director who had had modest hits prior to now. Sure. This could have been a fall on your fla- face embarrassment. Oh, the, absolutely. Because, yeah. I mean, think about Dick Tracy was just like a year oh, later. Oh, fall on your face I was, I was, I was going to that reference tried Dick Tracy. to carry some of that bat, Batman momentum and say, like, well, we yeah. can do a comic strip adaptation. And yeah. yeah. My, my point about Joe saying that this kind of changed things was that it it changed things and it allowed people to buy in to this idea of a stylized take take from the comic page onto the screen type of idea yeah. that Dick Tracy was greenlit. Yeah. <laughs> now that being said, love the movie Dick Tracy. Mm. Love just didn't that hit with audience film. Yeah. It is fantastic. It's Madonna at her best. It. The, visually it's incredible bonkers performances from Dustin Hoffman Al Pacino like yeah. all of this stuff under under underrated film yeah well maybe we'll Danny have to Elfman do it on, score maybe we'll have to do it on the podcast don't spill all your beans I love it we, we, you know I, I would like to revisit that one at some point but you know the point is Joe you're right Nicholson this was kind of a dangerous thing to do in certain ways I mean he had already established this but I'm not saying like he would have had his you know, credentials were, were were pretty solid to begin with, but it could have put a real chink in his armor. It would have been his Hudson Hawk, you know? Might have been, yeah. Uh, or it could have, could have been. It wasn't. Yeah. It's yeah. one of the things that will uh, be on the headline or the subheading for his obituary. Yeah. You know, when that, unfortunately that time comes. <laughs> but I, don't I mean, know. that's. He's got a varied career. I mean, <laughs> yeah. But in terms of like. It's like The Shining in this, as far as like iconic moments in pop culture, well, like, you know, that, ev- that everybody knows. See, I don't think 
I think that's a great film and a great performance, but I think in terms of just like the general masses, what do they think when they think Jack Nicholson? They think, here's Johnny, and they think the Joker. I'll buy it. Um, a few good men. The, the, I think you I, can't the, handle the yeah, truth. Yeah, you can't Again, handle the truth. It's ju- only because of that, that line, line almost. But I, but I wonder yeah. how many people that can quote that uh, line know that Jack Nicholson said it. Uh, I'll Fair. I, I, think, I, think, think, uh, Gen Zers. You know. Well, that's true, and it's hard. It's hard. To, I was, I was actually having that exact kind of conversation when I was watching the Batman, not the Batman, Batman, nineteen eighty nine, uh, finishing it up this morning, and my. My daughter, who hadn't been watching it along with me, kind of came in and was, and we were watching part of it together. And I'm like, you know who that is? Because it dawned on me. I'm like, I bet she's never seen Jack Nicholson in a movie. Before. He hasn't been anything in a long time. And well, that and you know, none of his movies are ones that we're revisiting oh. with them because he did, you know, adult features. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he did. Uh, he, he's not in kids' movies. No, this is as close as it gets. Almost I think, right, I think as good as it gets, maybe a PG-13. Or I'd have to look at that one. But yeah. Um, the, you know, terms so, of endearment. That, yeah, that was rated R. So you're right. It's it, you know, it's like he. What is the reference point for people with Nicholson? I mean, I have my roles that I think of him with anger management, but it, <laughs> which is kind of funny to Goose think. From a... <laughs> That's an iconic line. Uh, but you know, bottom line is, yeah, I, I think to to today's audience, like younger people revisiting this one, Nicholson's not going to necessarily be that iconic presence that he was in 1989 to the audiences going to see it then. I actually bet you Gen Zers know him mostly from the gif that's from Anger Management, though. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, like yeah. nodding his yeah. head. Oh, wait, he's nodding huh? his head as is it that anger management? That's from that anger is. management, okay, yeah. Yeah, I um, use that gif The often, Departed, often, yeah. I know some, some of your generation have bothered to see your The Departed. Your people love The Departed, yeah. Yeah, the Batmobile shows up. The uh, Bat uh, airplane shows uh, Batwing. up. Batwing, thanks, uh, shows sure up. He's called. got plenty of gadgetry. I mean, sure. all of the things we know uh, about him. How fucking hard is it when he throws the like smoke bomb at the ground and then just like grapples, like yeah. repels up? It's so, mm-hmm. the way it's shot and the lighting in it and everything. It just looks so fucking cool. It's yeah. not, and it's and it's not one of those moments where they're trying to make you believe that he can just disappear or whatever. It's like you see the mechanisms yeah. that yeah. are taking the, place. The convention created in this film that with every Batman film comes the. most beautiful woman available to be on screen next to him. I think Kim Basinger fit the bill in 1989. Yeah, gorgeous. Vicky Vale. Vicky Vicky Vale. Vicky Vale. Yeah, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer in the next one is Catwoman, Nicole Kidman in the Val Kilmer film. Right. uh, Uma Thurman in Batman and Robin. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah. There is uh, an archetype to Sure, all created here. Yeah, starts here. Anything negative? Any notes, so to speak, on the film? It, it it ages pretty well. It has it has a this was made then kind of aura to yeah, it. But yeah, it, but I think because it's it so stylized, up. I think because it's so stylized and it's not attempting it to fit feel, into yeah, a time and say, place, it doesn't age. Poorly. Even though it, it it is like it feels like a past iteration of Batman, it doesn't feel like an '80s film to me. Yeah, it is an '80s. Maybe film. Prince is the only thing that would. Make That's true, that. and but that those are very you know it's used sparingly and appropriately in those you know scenes where he's you know going through and defacing the art and all, and all that. Party stuff. man, party man. There you go. Um, oh hell. <laughs> so you know it, it has some things but generally it doesn't it, but it is clear that it is like this past incarnation of this character that has come to be 
a much darker, grittier character mm-hmm. as time has gone on. And I don't know that we could ever go back to that. I don't know. Maybe it will. Maybe there'll be this rest point where we'll go 30 years with no Batman and then somebody will resuscitate by bringing in a little bit more of the humor and vibrancy of the Burton, you know, the only vibrancy we get though is through Joker, and it's and it's and that's there. No, it's there a bunch, but you can see that once we get to Batman Returns, there's really no vibrancy in that movie because there isn't a Joker. Well, in there. Devito's pretty funny as Penguin, though. Yeah, but you don't get the, the splash of color that you get from Joker. No, not in co- it. you're right. Like, the, the color, color palette is color as palette muted is as much it gets. More muted you know, and then of Batman course Returns. after that, you get Riddler with the red hair and the green suit mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. So it comes back, and then with Poison yeah. Ivy after that. So Batman Returns is really the most muted, but it's it's just shows you that it's the it's the people that enter the world that bring that in because batman's world is very gray and dark and yeah depressing well you make as much money being involved in a film as jack nicholson made with batman mm-hmm. when you're arnold schwarzenegger and uma thurman and the biggest stars of the day you do do get involved what they weren't doing then was saying let's create this universe it's just this is the only superhero game in town. So if you want to get on the Batman right. money train, wait for the next Batman to come out. It wasn't until Batman and Robin that they attempted the universe creation. They were, they acknowledged Superman's existence in that film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As an attempt to set up the Nick Cage Superman movie and extend the unit, make it, lead to a Justice League movie. Right. And then we mm-hmm. know that that didn't work, so... Because Batman and Robin's a steaming hot pile of garbage. <laughs> uh, a, a, There's a, holes all in this metal. A mm. movie that I love, <laughs> but sure. a movie that I can still acknowledge yeah. is absolute dog shit. And Joel Schumacher, Schumacher will forever be on my shit list as a result of it. Uh, <laughs> rest in peace. Is he dead? Yeah. Yeah. Well... Th- that is a sad note to end on, I, I think. But, <laughs> that, you know, but maybe appropriate, my shit list, given but, that I came yeah. into this half of the episode uh, by say, saying we're going to commemorate the death of a great brewer. Yeah. Um, but let's get back to that, right? I mean, Armand made some great beer for us in the past. Do we feel like this uh, Oud Goose is a, a great note to send him off on? Yes, yes, a thousand times yes. For real? Yeah. I, I made think, that reference just now? Uh, was it a reference to something? Isn't it a Jerry Maguire reference? Oh, I don't know. I is didn't it? do that for that purpose. <laughs> but show I me the money. I this is I a great beer. That, yeah. This is a great beer. It's so basic in its execution. They're not adding the cherries like we've enjoyed. But the, complex because of the com- wild fermentation. Without a doubt. That, when yeah. you explained that they got it from nine different, differently aged barrels and they blended it together, trying, of course, to blend and probably tweak and add a little yeah. more of this one and that one to get something it's, perfect. It's I think sour. They have. It's got some sourness to it, but it's balanced. It's, it's so not good. like, it's not mouth puckering, like you take a sip and you got to like, you know, wince. Mm-hmm. It's very balanced. Yeah, this is the beer that you hand someone that says, I don't get sour beers. You hand them this beer. Yeah, if they have the patience. I might go more with the intense rude from last time. The, the for, fruitier stuff. To, yeah, it's something the that cherries. they really do, like, you know, do one of those fruit additions for. Yeah. Um, only because I think there the, the sweetness comes in even more. This, you're getting fruit notes. Like, I got a little bit of peach. I got a little bit of uh, um, almost like a um, citrusy, uh, orange Grapefruit, kind of maybe? flavor. Maybe grapefruit. Mm-hmm. Or, but like the rind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
But that's all coming from the fermentation process, folks. This is not because they're adding fruit to it. It's because they are capturing that wild yeast in the air, those microorganisms doing their work, creating this wonderful mix of things. It can only be done there. It can only be done at this brewery by this brewery staff and that Armand was part of that and brought this kind of joy to my life. You know, salute. This is, you know... Uh, what better way to see a brewer off uh, yeah, to that excellent place? Before I get to my review of the beer, I will say that I was painfully wrong about where that quote comes from. It's from Pride and Prejudice. Oh, okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and yes, I was making that reference. Yeah, still, still a crazy reference to make in a yeah. Batman episode, but I did reference uh, some crazy shit during Last House on the Left. So you know, par for the course, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I think this beer is very good. It's very complex, and I feel like each sip. You get a little something different each time, yeah, uh, a little bit, because there's just so much depth to the flavor in this one, and yeah, not overly sour, mouth puckering or anything like that. It's a, it's a great beer. Love, uh, love a beer that's just a beer. You know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. no adjuncts or anything, but just the craft. Good point. The craft of fer- fermenting things to create interesting and complex flavor profiles is. Uh, really one to tip your hat to it's a difficult thing to do yeah um fun episode yeah a very a, a very fun episode often broody um uh, but you know no we have a plan for next week are we going to reveal the titles yeah next week we're going to be catching up with some stuff from 2021 that yeah. never made it that finally uh, has come to, onto these streaming platforms yeah we didn't get it in theaters here in any form or fashion at any point in time, uh, but finally hit either VOD or maybe some of the streaming platforms here. So we're going to be talking about uh, Oscar-nominated Japanese uh, drama Drive My Car Mm -hmm. and uh, Red Rocket, starring Simon Rex by Sean Baker. Mm -hmm. Right, Sean Baker? Yep. Who 200 miles from your front door. Yeah. Uh, Lots of stripes, cups, and Lone Star. Yeah. Um, Just up the road. Just up the road. So that's going to be very exciting. But, you know, we have made some pretty bold declarations on this episode of the podcast. And, you know... The great thing about the show is the conversation doesn't end when the episode ends because we know you have your steaming hot takes about these films. So you can get in on uh, the discussion, the debate on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Beer Movie Show, on Instagram at Beer and a Movie, Facebook.com slash Beer and a Movie TX, Beer and a Movie Podcast.com. Uh, has a lot of stuff on it. Um, two of my favorite things this beer map that shows you all the different beers we've had from all over the world and then also uh these kind of curated collections of episodes like our all horror october episodes our nick cage focused episodes our director centric episodes things like that so you can kind of you know find uh find the content that really fits your uh, particular taste and just dive right into it uh and also you can financially support the show on Patreon. Uh, $5 a month gets you a bonus episode every single week. We talk about beer and movies, but we also talk about a great many other things. This week I am uh, I think we're going to be talking about SNL or something. There was a little pre-show we'll conversation we'll see, yeah. about that. Um, building a new shop, so we'll probably get into that a little bit. Um, and yes, we have merch, tpublic.com slash user slash beer and a movie. You can also find a link to that on our website as well, but you can get... Shirts, long sleeves, crewnecks, hoodies, stickers, mugs, um, a bunch of shit. You yeah. can get there's oh, yeah. a, a lot of stuff on there uh, with our new logo and um, shirt design by my buddy Jake. This is on. Find him 
on Instagram at J-T-S-A-Z-O-N. Uh, and I think, oh, Apple Podcast Review and subscribe. Help the algorithm do what it do. You already know the fucking vibes. Uh, until next time. I'm just here to unmask the truth about this cesspool we call a city. Thank you.